Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 89. Today, we're going to recap the draft. We're going to talk about who we thought had the, the best draft, who we thought had the worst draft, um, which should be an exciting segment there just based on uh, the document that we are sharing for the podcast here. Looking forward to that. And then we're going to talk about the uh, the biggest head scratcher from the draft, what we thought was kind of a confusing choice from some of these teams, as well as who we think might turn out to be the steal of the draft. Before we go into this, though, you know, disclaimer, no one really can tell the future. And I always like to say it takes at least two to three years to really evaluate a draft class and kind of see uh, how the GM did. Um, so that being said, these are just our opinions. And uh, we will find out in a few years time. But uh, based on teams uh, projected value and, and filling needs, we're going to give you our thoughts here um, on the draft. But before we do, I want to introduce my co-hosts, Matthew Durgan and Casey Sully, as per usual. How you guys doing today? Doing good. Ready to be a, a hot take draft artist uh, this this episode. Um, like as you said, you, right. you got to wait. Got to wait a couple of years to, to really know. But uh, so uh, this is an opportunity to just go as spicy as you want and uh, you know throw some darts, uh, throw some haymakers out there, maybe make some people angry and uh, see what happens. And by people, he means me. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, look at last year even. Last year we were probably saying the Chargers were losers and the Dolphins were winners for drafting Herbert and Tua respectively. And a year later we look stupid because it's kind of flipped on us. But um, I'm in a good mood because Mac Jones is not my quarterback. So I was a, a happy camper this weekend. Fair enough, yeah. Hey, listen, this I mean, is the there, first time know. in a while. This is the first time in a while I've come out of a draft as an Eagles fan and been like <laughs> legitimately excited. It just doesn't happen. There's been there's there's always this period after an Eagles draft where you like watch highlight tape, look at videos of of the people you drafted and like convince yourself that you're excited, yep. you yep. know? And it, this is different. Now I'm like legitimately looking forward to this season that I still think is kind of a lost season for the Eagles. You know, we'll, we're in like a two or three year rebuild process, I think, but I'm just excited to see some of these guys we drafted. Not even just Devontae Smith, but some of the, the later round picks are kind of exciting too, like Kenneth Gainwell. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's some uh, reason for excitement in Philly, so good good days ahead for me. Um, let's talk about some other teams who we think did pretty well. And we think, I mean, we're saying best draft. It's, it's definitely subjective. I, you guys took the, the two that I probably would have picked personally, so I, I picked someone else. But um, Durgan, we'll start with you. Give us who you think had a really good draft and, who you, and, and why that, that is. Yeah, the Browns. Uh, they were the host city. Uh, it was in Cleveland. Uh, it was great seeing fans there. That was awesome to see. As somebody, I've been to the draft myself. I went to the one in Dallas, 2017, 2018 maybe. But uh, it was a great time, so I was happy to see everyone out there uh, and being safe and having a good time. Uh, but the Browns did, did a killer job. First off, their new GM, Andrew Barry, had a baby this week. Well, he didn't have a baby. His wife had a baby. Uh, so he had a big week, he had a big week himself. Uh, but you look at their top two picks uh, in particular, uh, Greg Newsome in the first round and Jeremiah Wusakormo in the second round. Uh, Newsome is going to be a day one starter. And I thought their first weakness was in the defensive secondary. And they did a good job this offseason uh, signing John Johnson, who is a safety. Uh, and you have Denzel Ward, who was a former number fourth overall pick uh, a few <laughs> years ago. And the opposite side, they, they have some young guys unproven. They have some veterans unproven. But Greg Newsome's going to step in right away, and I think, uh, be a starter for them, which is huge. And then they look at their second weakness coming to the draft, and it was linebacker. They didn't have that one guy who could be a, both a great coverage and a great run stuffer. And Abusa Koromoa is absolutely that. Uh, he had a steal in the second round. We put on our Instagram that we thought he was the best player available going into the second round. 
there was that report from Adam Schefter that he had some sort of heart issue that doctors flagged, but none of the doctors, both NFL and the team doctors, felt like it was going to be an issue that would cut short his career. Something at the monitor, obviously, and none of us here are doctors, but the NFL doctors and the team doctors saying that it's going to be okay, I'm going to say he's going to be okay. So now you look at their roster itself and their starters, take away the quarterback situation, I think they have the second best roster in the NFL outside of Tampa Bay. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he improved down the stretch. I don't know if he's going to be the guy to lead him to the Super Bowl. So if they want to be in the market for a guy like Russell Wilson, if he ever comes available, or uh, Aaron Rodgers, if he does, Deshaun Watson, who knows what's going to happen there, I would recommend them putting all their chips in the middle and going all in for a quarterback. But in terms of top two picks, A+. Plus. Their third-round pick is this kid named Anthony Schwartz from Auburn. And everyone says that Jalen Waddell was the fastest prospect this year. It's actually Anthony Schwartz. Uh, he is a uh, Olympic-level sprinter. At the under-16 World Nationals, he was the fastest 16-year-old in the planet. Uh, he ran his freshman year uh, for Auburn, one of the best runners in the SEC in the 100-yard dash and the 60-yard dash. Of course, didn't run last year and then do this year as well, so we don't know how fast he is at the moment. But this guy, if he wasn't playing football, you would see him this summer in the Olympics. That's how fast he is. So he opens yeah, up a new... Somebody said he ran like a 4-2-2 or something he, close ins- to that. insanely fast. I mean, he is yeah. the real deal. Uh, he's not as... Seriously, him and Waddle is Waddle can stop and go at a faster rate, kind of like how Tyreek Hill runs. Uh, this guy is more straight line speed. But that's the one thing that the Browns offense doesn't really have at the moment. Uh, the running backs are more kind of bulky guys who run you over. Still fast, but not sprinters. And they're running, uh, wide receivers, uh, more possession guys. And, of course, you have OBJ if he's healthy. But this guy opens up a new dimension for their offense, which is pretty exciting to see. Yeah, I like Greedy with Newsom. And, you know, the, as long as Joker is fine. Uh, you know, they needed help at the linebacker position. They need some juice there, and he definitely brings that. So mm-hmm. I like what they're doing on defense, and, and as they get healthy on offense, you know, they got all the, the tools there. I think Baker's done a pretty good job, especially this last year with Stefanski. And this is sort of, uh, you know, the time has passed to push in all your chips, but this was the year to do it um, with uh, Baker now being extended for his fifth-year option. You're going to have to pay that guy soon. So, you know, you got uh, the season and next, and, and then you're you're onto that big, big old contract. So um, if there's any moves to be made, I'm sure uh, they will be made by the Browns in the next year or two to, to try to get that Super Bowl in, in in this window. Unfortunately, they're also competing with the Bills and a bunch of other teams that are also right in a, a big Super Bowl window as well. But um, I like what they did this year and, and definitely took a step forward, and they, they got better through the draft, I feel like. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Look for the Browns to be aggressive in uh, any sort of free agency trades moving forward. I think you got two pretty much guaranteed starters and then some other players who look to be contributors. So anytime you can do that, I think that's a good draft. Um, I, I like the Browns a lot. I've always been high on the Browns on this podcast. That's Every true. time we uh, come that's around true. some sort of offseason milestone or something, I'm always uh, in on the Browns. So uh, Stefanski, prove me right and uh, have a good season. But let's go to you, Casey. Um, who do you think had a really good draft? this year yeah it was bad bad news for the packers but i thought the bears did a great job and the bad news bears the bad news bears are now the good news bears so uh they they went and got justin fields i felt like they needed to do that and uh i think they 
the price was about fair to to give an extra first and go up and get Fields uh, and trade with the Giants there. Um, and they have a really nice skill group now. Uh, I think Allen Robinson can now be convinced to stay there maybe with a, a legit quarterback. Uh, they have Mooney. They have Tariq Cohen coming back from injury. They have David Montgomery, who you know has been good in, in spots. He doesn't have a, a lot of top-end speed, but he, he's got a little wiggle to him, and, and there's some stuff to work with there. And then they added Tevin Jenkins in the second, and I think that they got some really good value with Daz Newsom in the sixth round uh, receiver. So if the Bears can just run the ball and, and you know, I don't know if you want to shove Justin Fields in right away, but I feel like you kind of have to given the situation for, for Matt Nagy and, and he's got to win and, and say like, hey, you know, this is my guy. Let me, let me run with him and right into the sunset into another contract or uh, crash and burn and someone else is going to get my, my shiny new toy that I traded up for. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Justin Fields start right away and, and start slinging that ball to, to some of those pretty talented skill guys. But if you can establish a run game and get that, that offensive line going a little bit, who struggled off and on last year, um, they still have a very good defense. They're, they're aging a little bit, but they're still elite. And especially if you have an offense that can sustain drives and give them a little bit of rest, uh, I think this team is going to look much improved uh, with a, a new quarterback under center in, in 2021. So they didn't have a ton of picks, but I felt like they hit the, the top two ones and then found a, a, a little diamond in the rough and, and Daz Newsom in the sixth. And they're headed in the right direction, unfortunately, for the Packers. This is a A-plus draft for them especially the Fields pick, even if he doesn't work out. Because Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, if they don't produce this year, they're gone. So now they have a chance with Justin Fields. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start in the beginning. I wouldn't be shocked if he's one of those guys who starts week four or five after Amy Dalton does Amy Dalton things and plays average. But now they have at least a fighting chance to keep their job. And Justin Fields might not work out. I mean, has a quarterback ever actually worked out in Chicago? You think about the history. They, they never had Jay Cutler. I mean, some, some the, solid guys. Those are your I mean, best. you got to define worked out, though. Like, what does worked out mean? I mean, they, I think have they ever starters? had a league quarterback? They haven't. Uh, never had a league quarterback, but, which is fine. I mean, they've had Super Bowl wins, so it all works out because they have great Damn, defenses. Man. But he'd be the first. Rex Grossman or what? Sexy, <laughs> sexy Rexy. I love that guy. But, hey, besides the point, uh, Fields, I don't trust Matt Nagy, but if – that kind of offense is going to work, which is very similar to one they run in uh, Kansas City because he is an Andy Reid disciple. Fields can do that, and he is athletic enough where he can simplify the offense his first year to make him more of a runner and make his more run-first offense and he was play action off that to make it easier. So this is their last chance, and if that first-round pick next year, who cares? Because it might not mean anything if you don't have a job. So, and if it does, if the trade doesn't work out, then you have your franchise quarterback, and who cares about a first-round pick next year? Uh, touched on Tevin Jenkins. That's a great pick for them. Uh, they just cut their left tackle uh, from a season ago. Now they have Jenkins. So, presumably, he's going to step in right away and be their left tackle for the future. So, you picked up two possible franchise cornerstones in the same draft. Good job, Bears. Yeah, and honestly... I know we're a little higher than Justin Fields on most, but I have him as quarterback two in this draft. I like Fields a lot. And the fact that you got him at 11, I mean, I know it took a first, but think about it. If this guy turns into your franchise quarterback and all you gave up was one first to move up 10 spots, it's it's absolutely nothing. So the the sky is the limit, I think. And this is a much-needed move. I mean, the Bears have been in this sort of purgatory of not being high enough to draft a franchise quarterback. But... um, not basically being able to um 
don't know what I'm trying to say. They've been stuck in this middle area, this middle ground of not being bad enough purgatory. To, to get a high pick, right? Yeah, purgatory, like I said. So being able to pull this off, you know, it, it's huge. And I think it's it's probably put them in a position where long-term, at least, you know, we talk about these quarterback windows of these rookie contracts. If Fields pans out even a little bit, this team's not bad. They can they can uh, build around him now, and I think it it's a reason for excitement, right? Like you mentioned, Casey, if I'm Allen Robinson and I see you bringing in this guy Fields, I'm a little bit more excited to stick around. I'm not necessarily, depending obviously how he plays, but I'm not necessarily like rushing out the door now. Like I'm intrigued. So I think there's there's a lot of room for excitement. I would have picked either both the Browns or the Bears, so I'm glad you both did because uh, I feel like they're both noteworthy and, and worth talking about. Um, so. Sorry, Casey, but the bad news bears are the good news bears, like you said, and I think this is an exciting time in Chicago. Um, so let's let's go on here. I'll, I'll give you mine. Um, like I said, I probably would have picked one of those two that you guys chose, but since they're taken, I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers, and, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying if Sam Darnold sucks, none of this matters, but I think <laughs> the Panthers had a really good draft. I'm really high on J.C. Horn. I think he's cornerback one for me in this draft. And maybe it was a slight reach at eight, but my guess is they had some intel that the Broncos probably would have taken J.C. Horn at nine. So they felt like they had to get him there or not get him at all. Um, More so than J.C. Horn, though, Terrace Marshall Jr., who I always thought I'm I'm making up letters in my head. I thought it was Terrence Marshall for like the entire year. Took me three months to figure it out. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) kind of blew my mind in the draft when they were when they were covering him and he was picked and it was Terrace Marshall. I was like, wait, did they screw up or did I screw up for like ever? (laughs) Uh, but it's Terrace Marshall Jr. They got him at pick 59. This guy, a lot of people had him towards the end of the first round, early second, and and to get him towards the, the late second in, at pick 59, I think is an absolute steal. Uh, and, and you look at the receivers they have, they're no slouches. They're both 1,000-yard receivers or 1,000-yard guys. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and now you add Terrace Marshall to the mix. That's going to be a pretty, probably the best receiving core that Donald has ever had. Easily. And yeah. beyond that, what it does is it gives the Panthers flexibility because Robbie Anderson's on the last year of his deal so if they feel like they don't want to pay him or his asking price becomes astronomical you still have DJ Moore and if Terrace Marshall pans out that's still a solid one-two punch so I like this pick a lot I think they did some good things later on too they took the guy who protected Zach Wilson um, at BYU who was now on Darnold's former team interestingly enough they took a tight end who projects more so as a blocker but um, fills a need there that they had Chubba Howard running back out of Oklahoma State pretty productive kind of a change of pace guy from McCaffrey and then uh, Davion Nixon out of D, D tackle out of Iowa I think is a, a pretty uh, a pretty good value too some people had him as high as the second round grade on him and they got him in the fifth um, so I like what the Panthers did I think this is a team on the up and up and you know you're getting some players back namely Christian McCaffrey and if Sam Darnold can be even remotely what people hoped he would be this team has a shot to be competitive yeah, I, there's no excuse for Sam Darnold to suck now. I, New York, I mean, I'm a Sam Darnold fan, but in New York he had nothing around him. But now he has everything around him. They only have a great left tackle, but besides that, they have three good receivers, maybe the best running back in the game, uh, Chubba Hubbard, who's a home run threat, decent tight ends. Their defense, I mean, they spent every single pick last year on defense, and now their first-round pick this year to get J.C. Horn, who will be a starting corner for them. This is a dark horse playoff team assuming that Sam Darnold plays well. And if Sam Darnold does not play well, they won't win many games, and there's plenty of quarterbacks next year for them to draft. Uh, the mock draft for 2022 will be up by the time you hear this podcast. Fair warning. 
So there's about five, six guys I have boxed in the first round. Of course, that's going to change over a year, but there's going to be some guys available towards the top of the first round next year. And if they fail, they can go all in on those guys. Yeah, I don't have a, a ton to add. You guys covered sort of the, their entire draft, but I do really like J.C. Horn and Terrace Marshall for their, their first two picks. Um, and uh, I, I think that, that defense is quickly starting to come together. Um, and, uh, you know, I think things are, are, are moving and a shaking in Carolina. And mm-hmm. uh, if, this, if Sam Darnold plays well, especially, I think you can say goodbye to Joe Brady because then he would have, uh, you know, had a pretty productive offense with Bridgewater and then revitalized Sam Darnold and made him look good. Uh, I think you could probably kiss him goodbye because he's probably getting a head coaching job somewhere. For sure. Well, let's talk about some teams that are not moving in the shaking. Um, Here we go. <laughs> what we think about some teams that had some bad drafts and uh, and and kind of go from there. Durgan, we'll start with you. Casey, try to contain yourself. I, I won't speak until Durgan's done. That's very kind of you. Durgan, feel free. The floor is yours, sir. <laughs> if you're going to listen to 10 minutes of this podcast, this is the next 10 minutes to tap into. So uh, get ready, people. Uh, at the worst draft, in my opinion, with the Packers. And let me preface by saying... I actually didn't think the Eric Stokes pick was that bad. People didn't like it. I think he's a good player, and I think he's going to start by year two. Super athletic guy. Also, the Kylan Hill pick, the running back in the seventh round. He'll take that Jamal Williams-type role, and uh, he's a really good receiver. Also, they can run the ball as well. They have Aaron Jones, of course, but good pick there. Uh, but sadly, it has to do with everything that doesn't involve the draft, and that's Aaron Rodgers. And the draft coverage was hijacked by Aaron Rodgers, and the report that came out, probably 10 a.m. Uh, the morning of the draft that he does not want to play there at all. It, it's irreparable. He's done. And there's rumors flying around that he can be traded to the Broncos, Niners. Apparently the Niners were the only team that actually called for him. And the Packers said, no way, we're not trading him. So you have one side, which is Aaron Rodgers, saying, I am not playing there anymore. This is it. I've had enough. And the other side, the Packers saying, there's no chance. So you got yourself a stalemate, and people are saying, well, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be loyal to Green Bay. He's been there his whole career. This guy is not even loyal to his own family. How can you expect him to be loyal to the Packers? Let, let's be completely honest here. He doesn't need the money. He has all the accolades. He's won a Super Bowl. He's got a beautiful fiance who is successful in her own right. Hell, he might be the host of Jeopardy at this point next year. Apparently, he's one of the finalists to take over that job, and he didn't do all too bad of a job, I think doing that so what is it left for him to accomplish if he's not going to feel appreciated there why would he stay and you have to look at two decisions that the organization has made last since actually in the last year when gm brian gutenkirst i believe that's how you say his last name not even very close how do you you say it gutenkirst oh totally different gutenkirst gutenkirst there's no r you (laughs) so 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 different Catastrophic. Catastrophic. All right. Uh, He made possibly the worst draft pick in history with Jordan Love if he doesn't work out. Of course, we haven't seen Jordan Love on a football field because preseason got canceled. He didn't play at all this year, so we don't know. But if he's not an elite quarterback, you chased out possibly your franchise quarterback for no reason. You didn't have to draft him. And the second pick or second thing that they screwed up on was Matt LaFleur ended the game not putting the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands. Took the ball out of your best player's hands. Of course, my guy Kevin King didn't help things out by committing the penalty at the end of the game, also getting a few touchdowns. But those two decisions right there alone, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be happy. 
So this whole weekend, which is supposed to be about the future of the franchise, you're stuck now answering questions about Aaron Rodgers. And if he doesn't come back, this team won't be too good next year. They have some players. They might you know, be okay in NFC North, uh, maybe 9-8, 8-9. Eight, eight now they have 17 games to keep screwing my head over. Uh, but they're in deep trouble, I think. I, I would hot take Aaron Rodgers will not play another down for the Green Bay Packers. Well, look, I, I didn't like that news either, but I don't think that has a ton of bearing on wh- how well we drafted or not. I, I think, uh, you know, they filled the needs that they needed to fill, whether the, they got the correct value at those spots. You know, you can argue that. I wasn't huge on, on Eric Stokes, um, but they, uh, you know, they, they f- addressed the cornerback position, which was a big issue, as evidenced by Kevin King in the, the NFC Championship. They got Josh Myers. Uh, at center in the second round also wasn't huge on that pick but you know these are in the ballpark uh, as far as you know relative value and then Amari Rodgers in the third round at receiver so those were the three big needs that the Packers needed to address and they did it in the first three rounds so as far as the draft goes uh was it a a home run draft for them I don't think so uh was it a pretty average one that addressed some some solid needs yeah so as far as worst draft I think uh you're wrong. Uh, was I pumped about the Aaron Rodgers news? Obviously not. Um, we can unpack that as that sort of story sort of develops. But, um, you know, as far as drafting Jordan Love and the the decisions at the end of the NFC Championship chip game, Matt LaFleur gave him the ball three times to, to score from the eight, and he didn't do that. Um, you know, we had a couple opportunities off of turnovers for him to get a first down uh, and really change that game, and he didn't do it. So uh, I don't think that has a ton of bearing on it. Um, apparently, Rodgers wants more say in personnel changes and, and the way the roster is, is structured. And uh, to a certain degree, I think that's that's fair to do. Um, but he's a football player. He's not a talent evaluator. He's not a guy that's going to you know, go grind tape and tell the GM what to do and how to do their job because ultimately his job, his, his livelihood is not on the line if he's wrong. So he can bang the table for some receiver all he wants, um, but it's up to the GM to, to go select the best guy for that team because if that receiver busts and is a, a huge reach or whatever and Gutekunst appeases Rodgers and drafts that guy, um, you know, no one's going to be like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, you got to you got to cut him for saying he, you needed to draft that receiver. No, it's the GM that's going to be in hot water. So as far as those things intermixing, I don't generally believe in that. Should you go to your quarterback and say, hey, you like this guy or, you know, we're really close on t- these two guys. What's your opinion on, you know, drafting a receiver or a, a tight end or something like that? Sure. You can go talk to your franchise quarterback about that. Um, but, you know, Rodgers did not have a great 2019 season. He, he was good. He, he was an above-average quarterback, um, but he was not the Aaron Rodgers of old. And we even talked about it on the podcast a couple times of, you know, is, is Aaron Rodgers taking a step back here a little bit? Um, and so I think drafting Jordan Love at the end of the first when, you know, you, you were hoping to get a receiver that was going to fall, and then the, the 49ers snaked Ayuk and, and took that option away, and Jordan Love's sort of the last first round graded guy you have there i don't think it's unreasonable to draft a quarterback for the future when you know aaron Rodgers is whatever he was 37 at the time 36 
um, and had a, a, a mediocre year uh, at that. And, uh, you know, you, you got to plan for, for the future because he's, he's missed time with, with injuries, uh, the knee, the, the two collarbones, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I don't really know what the solution is there and why he's so excessively mad. Like, he's not the first quarterback to ever have his backup uh, drafted in the first round before. Like, I, I get that he probably didn't think it was going to happen to him like it did to Brett Favre, but here we are, and it, it clearly has not been handled well on either side. I think communication was um, missing in, in both directions, probably. Uh, Gutekunst probably could have called him and said, hey, we're thinking about drafting a quarterback and just let him know, yep. keep him in the loop. Um, and apparently that didn't happen. So I would be upset about that too, but to, to go as nuclear as he did, I don't really agree with either because i don't really know what the end goal is here like does he is he trying to get traded because that's not gonna happen he just doesn't really have the leverage to force he can retire go ahead uh you're still under contract we have no incentive to to go trade you if you're if you're the green bay packers so i don't really know what the end goal is for him on his side um that was a long-winded response but uh, (laughs) i'll cut it off there i know you're passionate about this so we get it and if it was the other way around and and uh, it was happening to one of our teams in a similar fashion we would also be long-winded so no worries uh i think you know real quick i'll just touch on the aaron Rodgers thing in like one sentence and then move on and, and we'll go back to draft coverage here but um the leverage comes from the the idea of getting something for nothing right instead of letting him retire and then you get nothing if a team is willing to trade a ton of assets and maybe multiple firsts or something something absurd that you wouldn't have expected and then they come across and say we want Aaron Rodgers you know we'll trade a bunch of shit to you for him you may you may weigh that and then take that right like like I saw the rumor that the Broncos might be in on Mm -hmm. this I don't know I'm sure there's a ton of shit floating around but um anyways like casey said we'll follow that story as it progresses but let's get back to the draft here and i want to touch on the packers draft because regardless of the aaron Rodgers situation i don't love the draft i don't hate it i don't think it's the worst draft but i feel like the board fell in like the worst possible way for the packers like i feel like if i was in the packers war room sitting there watching players be taken there would be a moment in each round where i'd say fuck like there was like (laughs) multiple people go like i i don't think I think you guys wanted to take a receiver in the first round. I think Kadarius Tony didn't fall at 29, and I think Rashad Bateman was on his way there and then went at 27 to the Ravens. So you were yep. sitting there like, what the hell do we do? Uh, well, we have Eric Stokes rated pretty highly, and we need a cornerback, so we'll take Eric Stokes. Bit of a reach, super athletic, a little raw, kind of like Kevin King, unfortunately, which That's I know is who you're, you're trying to replace me. long-term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's hard to project because if he develops, he has all the physical tools. He's He's big. He's extremely fast. He's one of the fastest corners in this draft. So I, I, if you can develop him, it, it may not be as, as ba- bad of a pick as people think. Josh Myers, solid as well. Maybe you guys were hoping like a Landon Dickerson slides because of injury concern or something. Um, but you end up with Josh Myers, who's solid. I, I, you know, again, it's, it's, that's the common theme. I think there's some solid players here. Nothing blows, blows it out of the water, and I'm like super excited about um but like you said you filled some needs it doesn't feel like a best player available draft it feels like you you reached a little for need but i don't hate it i think amari rogers is solid as well felt like a weird kind of selection to me i don't know that he i guess he's kind of fills that uh randall cobb type of role that you guys used to have a little bit Mm -hmm. but i i'm not sure how impactful he is immediately um anyway time will tell I, i don't hate it though 
Um, but I will talk a little bit about a draft that I do hate, if you guys are down. And we can use that as a segue to talk about my least favorite team in the league, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I like Micah Parsons a lot. I think he's a great linebacker. I think he has the potential to be a top talent. What's the one position that the Cowboys absolutely do not need? In my opinion, it is linebacker. Everywhere else on that defense, you could use an upgrade. Another team that I think the board didn't fall their way. They were sitting there at 10, and I think they were hoping for J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan to fall to them at 10, and they went 8 and 9. It didn't happen, so they drafted Micah Parsons after a trade back with the Eagles. Thank you, Cowboys. You made my dreams come true, even though I think your draft was bad. That being said, Micah Parsons is still good, but they doubled down. They drafted Jabril Cox later on. I think it was like in the fourth round, which is phenomenal value. Don't get me wrong, but they play the same position. And then you look at you look at what, what they did in the offseason. They have Keanu Neal, who Dan Quinn said is going to play linebacker. So now you have like five starting caliber linebackers. There's only so much game time. So I don't like the value they got at the picks they got because I don't f- think they got better in the weakest areas of this team, which is defense. I don't think that they got enough impact players to make this team better next season on defense. There's a lot of lateral moves, a lot of moves talent-wise that add some depth that it, you know if somebody gets injured, if Jalen Smith gets injured, if somebody gets hurt, you're going to be fine because you can have somebody step in. But your starters didn't get tremendously better. So I don't know how this defense is going to look. It's still going to be bad. And you didn't do anything to protect Dak either. Like that offensive line is slowly deteriorating. It used to be one of the best in the league, and now it's not. So I'm a little concerned for this team. I think they made some head-scratching picks with, with uh, the selections that they, they had. It's possible they have talent. It's possible they make some moves before the trade deadline and get some of these linebackers, get some value for them. Um, I don't I don't know what they do, uh, but I don't love their draft. I, don't, I, I wasn't a fan of the selections that they made. So it seems that Van Der Esch, who was their first-round pick a few years ago, uh, he had his fifth-year option declined. He'll be on his way out eventually. And I guess you got to move on from Jalen Smith now. I mean, give him one more year and see how he does, but he's paid a lot of money. But it's a very Cowboys draft, and the fact that their first two picks both have off-field maturity issues. That's right on cue for uh, Jerry Jones. Uh, Michael Parsons, a player. Didn't play this year, so we don't really know how he's going to look. Uh, I think he's going to be a starter right away. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, their second-round player, uh, wants to be the next big rapper so we'll see how long that works out and then there's second or yeah three third round picks and none of those guys i don't think even had a fourth round grade uh, they dropped the cornerback from oregon state whose brother actually was featured in last chance you so that was cool to see but nfl network had him in the seventh round player not great jabril cox is a great value in fourth round like you said but where is he going to play and how is he going to play so a lot of head-scratching decisions. It was a very Cowboys draft, in my opinion, so I'm not shocked by it. Yeah, I mean, I, I will disagree that I think the Cowboys do kind of need a linebacker because Van Der Esch has barely been on the field with injuries, and I think Jalen Smith was a below-average starter for most of last year. Um, so, uh, you know, I think he's going to end up starting probably sooner rather than later, either by injury or by poor play by, by Jalen Smith. Uh, and like Durgan mentioned, you know, those guys are sort of on the way out. So they, they need someone to plug in there. Um, do I think linebackers deserve to be drafted at 15? No. Um, but uh, uh, he'll at least be a, a contributing player on this team, and I expect him to, to contribute this year. The rest of the draft, uh, you guys kind of covered. 
Uh, not super inspiring, but you know the Cowboys were our winners last year for for their draft. They had a great draft, and and this year they're back on the on the bottom here. So uh, maybe those two kind of bounce out, and uh, they they get some stuff going. They got a new defensive coordinator and Dan Quinn, so. Uh, we'll see what he can do with all those linebacker type guys and, and see if they can actually stop the run this year. Well, now it's time for you, Casey. To, okay. Well, it's going to go at it right now. The The big buildup is, is here. And uh, I know this one might be a spicy one. And really, the center's around the first pick. And for me, the, the wor- one of the worst drafts was the 49ers because most of these guys – uh, are not going to be contributors this year, ideally. Um, Trey Lance was my fifth-rated quarterback, and the the amount of capital that the 49ers gave to to go and get the, him is uh, a concern for me. Um, so you got Trey Lance at, at number three overall. I know for a lot of 49ers fans were, were pumped it's not Mac Jones, um, but either way, you paid a lot to, to go get this guy that's ideally not going to start this year. And then you look at the rest of their draft, and uh, you, you get Aaron Banks in, in the second. Um, really good run blocker, uh, some some issues in pass protection, and he's, he's a real mauler. He has the potential to start at guard, um, but you know that's not a guarantee either. Then you have Dre, Trey Sermon in the third round from Ohio State. Um, who, who really struggled to produce consistently at the college level. He had that fantastic postseason run, but for the regular season was pretty lackluster. And, uh, you know, the 49ers already have a pretty solid stable of running backs. Could they have used another one? Sure. I'm just not sure that third round is the time you go and do that. And the 49ers ended up going and getting another guy, Elijah Mitchell, uh, late in, in, in day three. Um, so, you have those as your your top three picks. You paid a lot to go get Trey Lance. Uh, you got Ambry Thomas, uh, who who probably shouldn't start at least not right away because you got Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley there. Uh, those guys are already sort of slotted in. Um, so you're looking at your your top picks here, and almost none of them are are going to be contributing this year. You paid a lot to go get them, so you're you're out your your top tier blue chip. Uh, first round picks the next two years because you paid that for Trey Lance. Um, so as far as impact on this year, I think the 49ers have one of the worst drafts. All right. So I was taking a <laughs> gasp by this. First, I think I made an audible gasp when I uh, saw you write down Niners because NFL Network and CBS Sports both said they were winners. I'm I will a trailblazer, not, baby. I, I will not go as far as saying they are winners, but I will say the fact that Trey Lance is going to be a superstar in San Francisco. And I went back, and seven of the last ten Niner drafts I have not liked. This one I loved. Trey Lance has the most experience under center, and he has one of the actual few quarterbacks in college that utilizes a huddle. Now so much of the college game is no huddle quick, and Niners are more kind of a traditional offense, sprinkling with some new uh, school schemes. So I don't think the learning curve for Trey Lance in this offense will be as steep uh, as I imagined if he went somewhere else. Uh, so I, I, he won't. Ideally, he won't start this year. I don't like any rookie quarterback starting unless you're like a Trevor Lawrence. But I would not be shocked if he is a Week One starter. He is so athletic. He ran faster times than almost every running back last year. Well, I guess two years ago he was. He ran at 21 miles an hour which very few NFL players hit. So he is an athletic freak. I don't think the offense will be more simplified should he play. 
And also, teams believe he is the smartest quarterback outside of Trevor Lawrence. So that is a huge thing in terms of picking up the verbiage and the offense, which is very complicated for the most part. Matt Ryan said it took him two years. If he's been working on it already with uh, John Beck, who is Kyle Shanahan's good friend, gave him the playbook beforehand, which, I mean, when I heard that, I knew, okay, there was a chance that maybe something's going to happen here. So that's huge right there. And besides him, I mean, I, I said already, star, Josh Allen 2.0, within three years, he's going to be a top-five quarterback. Their second-round pick, Aaron Banks, he's going to be starting this year. He will start at right guard for them. Uh, PFF, I know they're a bunch of dorks and hacks, and I would never suggest you uh, buy into their publication, but they graded him as the most valuable guard in college football, and he did not allow a sack in 461 chances in 2020. He might never be an elite Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin type guard, but he's going to start for them for the next 5-10 years, and I will take that every day of the week. And and also, they moved back, got an extra fourth-round pick by getting Banks, and used that fourth-round pick to move up and get Trey Sermon. Raheem Mozart can't stay healthy. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., who's their backup, can't stay healthy. Wayne Gallman signed this year. Those three guys might not be on a team next year. So Trey so Sermon's going to be your starting... You drafted a guy that couldn't stay healthy. He played all this year for the last game. Trey Sermon. Yeah, he broke his broke his collarbone. Yeah, last game of the year. Well, you're, you're talking about it doesn't matter when you get one, hurt. One, He's one a game. He's couldn't stay healthy. One game. Well, if there were games after that, he wouldn't have played in them. If, if, if. I'm just pointing out. I'm so just pointing he, out. Continue. So he, so he is going to be a good player for them. I think he might be starting at the end of the year because, like I said, these guys can't stay healthy. Uh, Elijah Mitchell guy we mentioned in the sixth round. Sixth round pick. That's a... You know, who knows how it's going to work out. I think he might go down with a mysterious injury uh, after the fourth preseason game and spend the whole year on the IR. But this team, and you've had the Cowboys, or about the Packers, you love that they filled all their needs. The Niners filled all their needs. They got a quarterback. They got offensive linemen, two of them. You got two cornerbacks. Got running backs. So everywhere they're at now, they have a considerable amount of depth. And a team that gets possibly, you know, there, everyone got injured, they're in better shape this year but the draft picks they made, also the free agent signings they made. And uh, so if you praise that for the Packers, you got to praise that for the Niners as well. I see this as a future and a depth draft. And that most of it comes down to Trey Lance, who I am not a huge believer in. For every Josh Allen, there's a dozens and dozens of other quarterbacks that have all the raw talent that flame out. Um, so really it all comes down to him. And once we sort of see him in the preseason, you know, obviously I reserve a right to, you know, change my opinion on him and (laughs) and see how he he fits. But from what I saw in college, like I'm not super confident that he's going to be more accurate and impactful than uh, Jimmy G right off the bat, at least in the passing game. You know, he brings obviously another dynamic in the run game. Um, but when you're, you're paying all this, this is your last really full draft for two years. The team is what it is at this point for the most part. Um, so I, I didn't love it as far as, you know, immediate impact, whether Aaron Banks starts or not. Um, you know, I, it just didn't seem like they got vastly improved for this year, week one with this draft. But they had no starting spots available coming to the draft. Every starter is essentially etched in stone except for quarterback and they got a quarterback well a corner well they have, they have starting corners they have Verrett, mosley k1 williams might bring back old man sherman i hope not but they might find a guy in free agency drafted two of those guys so they got enough depth there they're starter starting corners doesn't mean they're like great corners but yeah anyways um 
I don't hate I don't hate the draft, but it lives and dies with Trey Lance, as we all know, right? That's Depending true. on how this guy progresses is, is how this draft will be viewed. Anytime you give up assets to move up um, to grab a quarterback, there's going to be a lot of eyes on that guy. Uh, and everything you said, Durgan, in terms of under center, in the huddle, things like that, reminds me of when Carson Wentz was being drafted from the same school that Trey Lance went to. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think Trey Lance has the potential to be as good as he can be. I mean, he is... <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but listen, like he has the potential to be as good as anyone. Like just the the raw talent, it, he can be as good as any quarterback in the league. Will he reach it though? And uh, that's the question and I don't know. I'm I'm a little I'm with Casey just on the fact that we've talked about it before there's a limited sample size of production. Um it's a risky pick at three. It just is. There's no way around it. And this is going to make or break some careers. And and if I'm anyone in the Niners organization, I'm hoping it makes it. I mean, we can talk about this all day. So we can move on. I mean, I, I think it's going to work out. But one, one last quick point. You mentioned Carson Wentz, and that's kind of being passed around as much as, you know, that's an easy comparison. Carson Wentz was 23 when he got drafted. And Trey Lance was 20. And only played one season at age 19. So he's very raw. And he might not you know, be an elite quarterback for another two, three years. But when he's on his second contract, he'll be 25, which is crazy to imagine. So he's a huge upside. And he extends their Super Bowl window. I mean, right now they have a very young team, yes. But now that you can afford all those young guys in the future by not paying a quarterback. Well, the same can be said about any rookie quarterback. They still have to pan out. Yeah, right? but so all, all the other teams have rookie quarterbacks, and their team is not nearly as good as the Niners. True, but the argument you just made also can be turned against itself. The fact that he's 20, maybe he takes more time to develop, which eats into that rookie contract, thus eating into your window. You're going to have to pay him by the time he's already capable of starting or developed to where you want him to be, right? Well, if he takes five years to develop, then the current regime will not be in place. <laughs> okay. There'll be bigger issues. Fair enough. All right, well... Like you said, we can talk about this all day, but let's not do that. And let's go on to the next segment. We'll talk about what we thought was sort of the biggest head scratcher from the draft or the biggest confusing pick um, or team or just in general, what what we thought here. So, Durgan, we'll start with you. Um, what was the biggest head scratcher? Yeah, so it's the New Orleans Saints uh, in general. Their first round pick, Peyton Turner. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted out the morning of the draft that this guy was picking up some steam. So I went back and watched some film on him. Never saw a first-round talent uh, on film. I thought second round at best. He's kind of a limited pass rusher, and that's what they have with Marcus Davenport, who they few years ago traded an extra first-round pick to go and get. So don't love that pick. And then Ian Book in the fourth round was a jaw-dropping uh, selection as a Notre Dame fan. He is not an NFL quarterback. Uh, a few months ago, I have a friend who likes football, but nothing about the draft said, oh, this Ian Book guy's pretty good. And I'm like, no, he's actually bad. I'm like, oh, what is he good at and what is he bad at? And I said, his strengths are that he's elite at handing the ball off. His weaknesses involve anything involving throwing the football. That's not a great scouting report for a guy he dropped in the fourth round. Uh, maybe I'll make him a day- next Taysom Hill because he's a decent athlete. But those are just two really weird picks from a uh, organization that usually drafts pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the, well, aside from uh, maybe the Raiders pick, that was probably the biggest uh, surprise to me to, to see his name pop up there. Um, so don't have any qualms about that one. We can agree at least once there on this we podcast. Go. On there we go. There we go. Nice. 
Oh, you're looking to me now. Got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a ton of thoughts on this. The Saints, I think they're they're in an interesting period of time where there's some unknown. They're used to being able to like miss on a draft pick and whatever. You have Drew Brees and a lot of talent to win games. So uh, I think they're going to feel the pain a little bit more when they miss, and it's going to be interesting to see how they how they move forward. I don't I didn't like either either of these picks, um, primarily Peyton Turner. But um, hey, man, if he works out, he works out. You know, they took uh, I forget the name of the edge rusher last year that was also a little bit of a reach, and he's been uh, he's been decent. I forgot his name. Uh, it was Marcus okay. Davenport a couple of years Marcus ago. Davenport a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, that yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a little bit of reach at the time. He's been okay. He's been solid. So we'll see. I mean, Sean Payton is a great coach. So if he can turn uh, Payton Turner, that's a tongue twister. Sean Payton, Payton Turner. If he can turn Payton Turner into a, a productive edge rusher, then it's it's all good. It's all gravy. Um, what about you, Casey? I have a feeling who you're going to go with. Uh, my biggest head scratcher was Travis Etienne at number yep. 25 to the Jaguars. Uh, not a big believer in first round running backs unless they're transcendent. And even then, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, you look at guys like Zeke and, and guys that wear down pretty fast. Uh, Todd Gurley, it just it doesn't seem like it's worth the value. Like you can find someone in the in the third or the second round or even in the fourth and fifth that that's going to give you meaningful reps and production there. Uh, and and not cost you as much and not you know the, the opportunity cost of not drafting another position is, is pretty significant for me um, but to, to draft him at number tw- 25 and, and sort of call him whether it's you know politics here calling him a third down back to sort of appease the rest of his team and, and James Robinson um, you know that it, drafting guy at 25 to split carries just doesn't really make sense to me uh james robinson wasn't he's not a home run hitter he's he's pretty solid he was an undrafted free agent but you got that guy for for a number of years on a very very cheap deal um and if you feel like you need a running back next year or a year after you can go get him then like james robinson is a more than adequate stopgap that they can you you can have there as you build the rest of your team and and use one of your premium picks on a a high tier talent like an offensive lineman or a cornerback who have, have sort of been shown to uh, be most productive if they're drafted in the first round like just the athletic profile of those two positions it's really important to get those guys early um, so uh, like I said a, a running back that's going to split carries at number 25 overall just is not worth the value there for me completely agree I'm not as high on Etienne as most people are and I don't have a problem with drafting a running back in the first round if there is a direct path for them to get 20 touches a game so Zeke Elliott, Chris mm. McCaffrey, even Najee Harris. I mean, he's going to get a lot of playing time for Pittsburgh this year. And you run to the ground for five years, and then you move on. This guy's going to be used I mean, as an offensive weapon. I mean, he's going to get maybe maybe 10 touches a game. I think that's going to be on the even high side. Uh, the speed back, I don't know. I don't get it. Maybe because uh, Trevor Lawrence wanted him. That's why they did it. But it doesn't make any sense. And for a team that needs talent just about everywhere – Dropping somewhere where you already have a good player in James Robinson just makes no sense. Poor draft management. Well, and then it's it's not even. I mean, James Robinson is a thousand yard rusher. Like he he's had a really good season. So to to yeah. come in and, and take this guy with your first round pick, it's just weird. And I I don't even think Etienne was going to go in the first round if they didn't take him here. To be honest. Yeah. So uh, I I don't like it at all. I, I 
this is ang- making me angry because the Jaguars, <laughs> you took your you took a guy who's going to be your franchise QB probably. Um, there's just so many other ways they could have gone with this, and I think this was probably the worst way they could have gone. So, anyways, um, let's let's move on. I'll give you mine here. I got the Raiders taking Alex Leatherwood at uh, 17 when, in my opinion, there were at least three clear-cut better tackles, if not tackles, offensive linemen on the board um, at that time. They're lucky Trevon Morig slipped to them at 47 because I almost feel like these picks should have been in reverse order. Like <laughs> It, it kind of blows my mind um, th- that they picked Leatherwood at 17. But listen, Mayock has been doing this. Every single draft, he's been reaching massively for picks. And I used to like him a lot as a draft analyst. I'm not too big of a fan as a GM as of late. So we can, we can take a look back here. I mean, Damon Arnett last year. Cleveland Farrell the year before at four was a huge reach. Colton Miller in, in uh, 2018. Now you add Leatherwood to that list of reaches. So they're just not, they're just consistently bad at getting good value from where they're picking. And I am confused why, because theoretically you brought in a guy who literally worked as somebody who identifies value in the draft. So um, that's, that's mine. The Raiders are the friend, you know, that constantly has a girlfriend at, but they all like every new girlfriend looks exactly the same. They always draft guys <laughs> who are from big programs and are reaches. You, all the guys you mentioned, Damon Arnett, Cleveland Farrell, they could have drafted down and still gotten those guys. Alex Otherwood, they could have drafted down and gotten him. But they're all from big programs. They all fit their bill of a multi-year starter and a guy who's played in big games. And I don't think Leatherwood's going to be a bad player. I don't think he's ever going to be more than an above-average uh, guard or tackle. He's pretty versatile in that sense. But you could have traded him down and got in an extra pick. So this is such a Raiders move. It happens every year where we're like, what are these guys doing? And every year somehow we're surprised. And uh, I mean, poor Leatherwood. I mean, I, I, no matter what, he never lived up to the hype, in my opinion. But he is a good run blocker. Raiders enjoy running the ball. That could uh, help out in his favor. So who knows? Yeah, I don't think he's a, a bad player. I think he's going to immediately slot in at a, at a guard position probably for the Raiders or, or, or at tackle even potentially. Um, but it's just the value, you know. It's just the value. And that's sort of the same thing with Etienne. Like, uh, you know, I don't think he's a bad player, but taking him that early, I think you could have could have waited and got better value there and, and selected somebody that's more impactful for your team. Um, so yeah. if he turns out to be, you know, a multi-year starter, and that's, that's fine and, and great and, uh, you know, as long as he's on the team for five or eight years, no one's going to really bat an eye at it. But, um, you know, the, the value is still there on the board, I think, at 17 to get someone else more impactful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at least they filled, like, uh, somewhat of a need, right, at, at uh, on the offensive line. They got somebody who can contribute. Like, that's the difference in my mind to Travis Etienne is I don't even think you needed a running back, really. Yeah. But, um, you know, Leatherwood will play. It's just you could have gotten him early second probably or later on in the draft. I, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I'm, I think they're, they lucked out. They got Trevon Morrig where they did. Um, let's, let's talk about – I think we'll, we'll talk about that a little here. So let's move on to, this, to who we think was kind of a steal in the draft. Um, there was a few picks which I was thinking of, and I'm sure you guys have some similar thoughts. But, Durgan, what do you, who do you think was a steal that was picked um, later on? Yeah, Aziz Ojolari, the Giants at 50. First round talent. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of shoots off the edge. And he got him a second round. Uh, apparently, he has some knee issues that uh, multiple teams took him off the board. But also, the Giants need an edge rusher. They have nobody on the edge that you know puts any fear into opposing offenses. He might not be a guy who's going to be at 
day one impact starter. But he can be a rotational pass rusher right now. And eventually, as he gets bigger, stronger, faster, he'll be a starter for them. I'm not going to say he's going to be a 10-sack guy, but he's going to be a guy who can consistently put pressure on the quarterback, and they need that. They they definitely do. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of their, their holes on, on defense, and they got uh, Kadarius Toney earlier on. Yeah, I think maybe a little bit of a reach there, but I, I'm not mad at the Giants draft overall. I think they, they did a pretty good job of filling some holes and, and setting themselves up to, to make a little bit of a push push next year but I, I agree the good value on Ojolari there at 50 to the Giants yeah definitely good value and you know some people projected him as the best pure pass rusher in the draft so the fact that you can grab him in the second round and even if it is a little bit of a risk it's totally worth it at 50 uh what about you Casey who do you have as a, a steal well you mentioned him earlier and it's Trayvon Morig at 47 to the Vegas Raiders so you know like you said you switch those Leatherwood and, and Morig picks and they actually got pretty good value there i don't think most people would have batted much of an eye at 17 drafting trayvon morig i think it might have been a little bit early but um you know overall i think they would have escaped the heat that they they got um but it was surprising to me because a lot of people were were talking about him as being the first safety off the board and then he he fell behind both richie grant and javon holland into the second round um and sort of right into the raiders lap so um the fact that uh he was rated as potentially the number one safety on 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 the board and then uh you know you got him as the third safety off uh i I think it it was a good uh good opportunity for for the raiders to to grab somebody to help in the secondary because they need it yeah especially when uh, the other starting safety uh, abrams is essentially a linebacker with the way he plays coverage he's very i'm gonna go for the big hit and not worry about missing the ball and they also drafted more linebackers, uh, so it was kind of surprising, more safeties. But Morig, he will be their best secondary player, I think, this season. Uh, this time, Casey Hayward, doing good veteran presence. But this guy, he can play right now, starting for you safety, play deep center field for you. And you're playing against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. You need guys who can cover down the field. So great pick here for the Raiders. Yeah, I love this pick. Um, I think it's a good fit as well. But, yeah, I really wanted the Eagles to draft this guy because I think he's the best free safety in the draft. And, uh yeah, you, you touched on it, Casey, but this uh, this is a good value pick. Uh, maybe makes up for what you did, Mayock. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the first. But <laughs> my steal of the draft, I'm, you know, I, I was kind of weighing a few options. I ended up going to Rashad Bateman to the Ravens at 27 because I think he is a top 15 talent in this draft. I think he's he's got the tools and the ability to be considered one of these blue chip wide receivers, but wasn't drafted as such. And I think he's in the perfect situation um, with the Ravens who desperately need that number one pass catcher for Lamar Jackson. And I think he'll come in and he'll be that number one receiver immediately. I, I, I like look out for this guy in fantasy. I think he'll be a great pickup and, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, Ravens can be scary now that, now that uh, somebody is on that other side of the uh, pass from Lamar Jackson, hopefully it's accurate. We'll see if it's not Durgan. We'll be the first to let you know. <laughs> but I really like Rashad Bateman. I think uh, you know he's he was probably the the fourth maybe fourth best receiver in this draft class. I think. Well, they had they signed Des Bryant last year, and I think this guy is going to fill that role, but be much better. Obviously, uh, kind of a thicker build receiver who is fast, faster than you, you see on film. Uh, but he's more of a possession guy, and that's what Lamar Jackson needs. Uh, they have Hollywood Brown as a deep threat. Uh, Mark Andrews didn't play as well this past year because I think he was the focus of defense's attention. So now that uh, Bateman's here, he's going to work a lot of slants, a lot of comeback routes, 
anything where uh, Lamar Jackson can get the ball out of his hands quickly uh, as a thrower and play more in rhythm. So I think that's going to be huge for him. And it's a good player, perfect fit uh, for both sides. Yeah, we talked about it during our, our mock draft that the Ravens just need someone else outside and, uh, and gave him Terrace Marshall, I believe, in, in the mock draft. And uh, here, uh, Rashad Bateman slides a little bit and they're, they're able to snag him. So uh, I love it for the Ravens. Um, lets you do some more fun things on the outside and, and improve that passing game for sure. And that's that's much needed for the, the Ravens to get some more balance and, and really be a more complete offensive team. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up on episode 89 with our draft thoughts. A uh, ton more coverage on our website, though, weeklyspot.com. If you want to read up on our thoughts on certain draft picks, um, draft grades, and more, check that out. But before we sign off, I want to give my co-host a chance to plug some content to keep an eye out for. Casey, what do you got coming up for the listeners? Uh, James Robinson film breakdown. Now that uh, Travis, Travis Etienne got drafted in the first round, I, I accelerated the release date for the, for that. I had already you know finished the editing the day before the the first round w- took place, and and then the Jaguars went and took Etienne. So <laughs> I think uh, James Robinson still James Robinson is still going to have a significant role on that offense. He's very good between the tackles, very intuitive runner, really good inside zone runner, um, and then Etienne is going to be a little bit more of a slash or hit that outside zone and, and give you that home run ability. But if you want to see how James Robinson sort of, you know, picks and chooses his holes and how he manipulates linebackers at the second level, go check out that uh, that video. It's on youtube.com slash weekly spiral, or you can find it on the website weeklyspiral.com. Yeah, check that out. You know, I think people sleep on James Robinson, but he was a thousand yard rusher. I said it before. He was very productive last season. So uh, find out why they shouldn't have drafted Travis Etienne after watching Casey's video. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's go to you, Durgan. What do you got coming up? Uh, way too early 2022 mock draft. Nice. Nice. Sure, but sweet. Love it. All right. Let's wrap things up there on episode 89. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we always appreciate it. And uh, stay tuned. We got a ton of stuff coming up. It's the off season, so... All the exciting things are going to happen. OTAs, training camp, trades, signings, whatever. Everything will be here for it, and we will be covering it for you. Check us out again, weeklyspot.com. All our social handles can be found there. And we hope whatever else you get up to is awesome, and we'll catch you for Episode 90 next week. Episode 90.